Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, and it is June 25th. This is the first weekend off of the Pro Motocross Championship, first weekend off of summer, unless you want to count that weekend we had off after Supercross. It's been nice, I'll be honest with you. You know, I think for everybody to simply be home on a weekend is uh, is a big deal. You know, riders are testing and riding, and, you know, the misconception about off weekends is that you get a lot of time off and for the racers, that's really not true. Uh, maybe on the weekend. So maybe Saturday and Sunday, you could make that argument, but really that week, you know, this past week that we just went through could be some of the hardest weeks of the year because you actually have an opportunity to put in a lot of hard work and recover throughout this weekend and then go through a normal routine for this coming week leading into red Bud. So it's, you know, normally during the season, you're, the riders are constantly battling work versus recovery. And this is something that I try to stress to younger riders all the time, if they ever ask me or when I have an opportunity, is if you're not your absolute best on race day, you're doing something wrong. Like that, that, that is, should always be the goal. And I, I know I was guilty of it at times. And you just don't really think about it that way. But the entire process is to be the best possible version of yourself you can be on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. That's the goal of racing. So if you're not steering everything around that, then there's a problem. And I see so many guys that are heroes throughout the week. They just put in just monumental efforts throughout, you know, one Wednesdays and Thursdays. And then they get there on Saturday and they're, they're super flat, you know. And when I say flat, I mean they don't have any intensity. They burn themselves up throughout the week, they didn't rest, they didn't recover, they didn't focus on hydration. And then on Saturday, when the, the money and the points and the prestige and your sponsors are all counting on you to perform, you don't have anything left to give because you were so hell bent on being the fastest guy at Glen Helen on Thursday. So anyway, we'll get into some of that. I wanna talk about the off weekend. Uh, I do wanna thank the sponsors of this podcast and I got way off track there. I haven't done a podcast in a couple weeks, so. Got way off track early, but I do want to thank all the sponsors of this podcast because I couldn't do it without them, and I wouldn't do it without them. Uh, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, International Vet MX Series, Fast Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing, which all of you know is my daily job that I go to the office every day and spend most of my waking life at. So anyway, what was I talking about? I was talking about the off week. and I know lots of people were putting in big workloads this past week. Uh, there's going to be news of an injury that comes out from 
one of the better riders in the 250 class. Um, it's not my place to break news, but it's coming. I don't know when that'll come out. I, I, I'm foreshadowing a little bit, and I just don't want to be the person that spreads that improperly. So I'll wait for that to come. But, um, you know, I saw guys were testing this week, um, somewhere in California, somewhere in Florida, and this is, it's an opportunity, like I mentioned at the open, at the open to get your bike better, to get your body better. So I would look at guys like Ferrandis, Plessinger, Webb, all the guys that, you know, they don't believe that they're at their peak level yet, right? They have ground to make up. They don't feel as fit as they should. They're battling their motorcycle settings. Uh, this is that chance. This is the perfect week for that. And I would almost guarantee that there were several test sessions scheduled. You know, those these tests have to be, well, they don't have to be, but they're typically scheduled way in advance. So technicians can plan for it. They bring new parts. They have new parts built. They have new settings. They build all these parts out, you know, like whether it's suspension sets, forks, shocks, they'll bring different, uh, you know, different clamps to try, all that stuff the more prepared you are, the more efficient and smoother that process will be. And there's actually a game plan going into it and not, you're not just throwing things at the wall, trying things, which that does happen too. But just like anything in life, it's not going to be as productive if you don't have some sort of plan or, or an idea of things that you want to try. Now you can get a little bit off track and like say it's something works that you weren't expecting. And then you need to go down that rabbit hole I understand that. Um, but point being, this is the, a big week for that. And whether it's, you know, MotoGP, they're going into a five week summer break where they will do a ton of R and D behind the scenes. This is a, the teams will go really work on the motorcycles and they have odd rules about what they can and can't change. You know, the motors, their engines are sealed, so they can't do any mid season engine improvements like that, but they can make chassis improvements. They can do certain things. And this is that time for them. So similarly for, for our world of Supercross and Motocross, this is a shorter time. Obviously, it's not five weeks, but these days where people don't have to travel and they can be home and in the shop working on these things and then develop something, take it to the track, try it, you know, and go through that without having to worry about everybody getting on planes on Wednesday and Thursday and flying across the country to go race. You could be at the track Thursday at seven o'clock at night leaving and not have to worry about what that's going to do to you on Saturday afternoon, right? That So it just opens those doors. And I always like to see who comes out of these off weekends better. Uh, they figure their motorcycle out. They take steps in their fitness, um, you know, whatever, whatever their weakness or perceived weakness may be, how, who did the best job of addressing those and who can take steps forward. Now, I don't think it's going to be night and day. You're not going to see somebody that was getting fifth, like now he's winning. You know, I don't think that's, realistic, but you can make steps. You can be better when you come back. So like I mentioned, guys like Ferrandis who have been vocal about, you know, they're not where they want to be with the bike. They're not where they want to be with their personal, you know, athletic performance. Can they make steps in the right direction with this opportunity? Learning of, you know, they've learned a lot. Like Don Ferrandis is racing a brand new motorcycle in this, in this motocross championship this 2023 bike that no one really had any settings for. Right. And I think he was, I don't want to say if he was going to lean on Tomac for that, because I, from what I've been told, their setups are very different, but at least it would give him some sort of guidance or the engineers and the technicians, they would know what the bike's reacting to differently. Well, Tomac got hurt at Denver. So a lot of that 
testing and data and opportunity went out the window. You know, the, the next three weeks of riding for Tomac would have helped Ferrandez sort the bike out. He wouldn't be solely reliant to figure this thing out. He would have another person working through all these parts and things too. Well, that went away. Uh, and I, I think that put Ferrandez in a bind, not only pressure-wise to perform, but also uh, just having another person to, to get the bike in a place where they feel comfortable. So that's, that's a person I would look for to maybe take a step coming out of this break. Now let's talk about the 250 class. Uh, you know, they were, we were at High Point a week ago, a little over a week ago anyway. This I'm recording this on a Sunday. And Jet continued to, to get it done, right? He, I'm sorry, Hunter. I said Jet. Hunter continued to get it done. And he's got a big points lead, even though he was docked seven points for jumping on a, on a red cross flag or caution light or whatever the case may be. Uh, he's still in control of this series, and it's really hard to argue that. You know, you look at the way he's been riding, then you add in the fact that Justin Cooper didn't race at all because of his big crash, and he looks like the guy to beat. I've been saying that before the series started. Coming out of Supercross, I thought he'd be the guy to beat, and that is playing out. Uh, I, I am a big believer that you can take you can take away things off the racetrack and build a – prediction of what's going to happen because every time I saw Hunter off the track on the starting line on the podium in quiet moments he just looked so calm and I always kind of put my own past experiences I've been around the best of the best in these moments and body language uh, whether they see whether they're stressed whether they feel confident against their rivals uh, it, there's a lot to be gained from that right you can you can learn a lot and every time I've been around Hunter, not when he's on, right? Like you can tell when these guys go on camera, they flip a switch. And I am fortunate enough to be around them before the switch goes on and and after. Like Jed is a notorious one for being like really quiet. And then when, when the camera goes on, he immediately turns on his persona. Doesn't mean he that's not him being him. It's just, I don't know if he's unhappy. I think he's actually a little unhappy with the media lately. Um, so maybe he's, that's a reflection of how he doesn't want to talk to me, like quiet talk that, and that's okay. Like I, I don't hold that against him, but when the camera comes on, he knows that it's time to be affable and jet Lawrence that everybody loves. And that's just a part of this being a professional in this sport. So I'm, I'm going back to Hunter with this when he has been off camera, he's just the picture of tranquility. Like there doesn't seem to be any worries. There doesn't seem to be any concern on his face. I don't think he feels threatened by anybody in this class. And that's really what it comes down to. That's the reason he, he is calm is because I believe, I believe deep down, he feels like he's the best guy and no one can really do anything about it this year. And that's a great place to be. Like not many people get to experience that level of inner peace and, you know, the perception of superiority over your rivals. And he, he's not going to get to do it for long because he's going to move up next year and then it's all going to change again. Uh, but that's, that's where I pulled my prediction from was just noticing him and noticing his development and maturity and uh, just, yeah, the way he carries himself. Uh, it's very, very noticeable if you're around him for any length of time. It's a bummer for Jay Coop. I mentioned it a, a few minutes ago, but I don't know when he'll be back, if he'll be back. Um, 
it all kind of escalated quickly, right? Like it's unfolding in the moment. We see him get up. I see him on the back of his motorcycle going back to the truck. And I'm like, okay, well, he'll probably race. It won't be a great day for him, but he'll get out there and he'll salvage some points. And then all of a sudden we get messages and we're hearing word that he's on his way to the hospital and they're considering life fighting him out of high point. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, and then, yeah, we heard from him that his throat was kind of closing up and, and they kind of hit the panic button. The medics did because they're always going to err on the side of caution as they should. But yeah, he went to the hospital, stayed the night uh, for observation. And I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see from him what that prognosis is like. But that's a big blow to him in the series, man. He, he was really turning a corner. I thought Thunder Valley was easily his best race to date. And I wanted to see what he could do with Hunter when he, as he regained that confidence. And now we're, we're robbed of that. So it's, uh, it's a bummer all the way around. Um, and I'm hoping, uh, hoping for the best for Justin Cooper. And um, yeah, I'm glad he's relatively okay. Let's just see what the future holds. RJ Hampshire, wild ride as always, right? It just, you know what you're going to get, and that is all effort all the time. But you also know you're going to get wild volatility in his results and riding, crashes, crazy speed, uh, taking chances. He's gonna, but he's gonna leave it all on the table every single time. Uh, there's just no way you could ever doubt his effort. And I, I, I'm here for that. Like I'm a big RJ fan. Uh, I'm sure he probably doesn't like the fact that I highlight his crashes, and I don't mean it to be negative. I, like I said, I'm a huge RJ fan. He grew up like an hour and a half from me. I've watched him race his entire life. I know I've known his dad for 30 years. I, there's no, there's no part of me that enjoys seeing him crash, but I also have to do a job and I have to be an analyst. And that is part of the analysis of RJ is that he crashes too much. That's just how it is. That's what the, this part of his storyline is. And I don't, I don't take joy in that. Um, so anybody that like, and I understand if you're on his family or on his team, you wouldn't like it. I, I get it. And I don't like it either, but I also have to be true to what I'm supposed to do. And I have to point out the things that are holding him back. And the crashes are a problem. They all, they have been a problem and they continue to be a problem. Uh, everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see if he can ever sort that out, but that's, you know, it's really the only thing holding him back. Uh, uh, Brian. Hayden Deegan, that kid's impressive. Uh, you don't have to like him. I don't, you know, that's okay. He's, when you are that, it's uh, the right word. Um, gosh, drawing a blank on the right word. But you're going to have people on both sides of the coin, right? Uh, there are going to be people that hate him. There are going to be people that love him. And when you are that, in that much of the spotlight, you have this YouTube channel, you have this big of a following, that's just how it's going to go. Uh, you're not going to be able to please anybody and you just have please everybody. And you have to know that there are going to be people that simply don't like you because they choose to not like you. And I have to deal with that in my own way too. Uh, nothing on the level of Hayden Deegan, but myself being in the spotlight, this very podcast, the television opportunities I have being on Pulp MX, being a former racer, take your pick. Those are all things that I put myself out there and I'm going to take, people are going to take shots at me also right? They're going to make fun of you. Uh, they're going to hate things you say and argue with you and say you're an idiot and say you look stupid and say your haircut's dumb and say, like, I deal with all that stuff every day. But I also know that that's what I'm signing up for. And 
a part of that is just always going to be there. And if you can't handle it, then you probably shouldn't do it. And I think for Hayden Deegan and the Deegan family, they have accepted that. They probably accepted that a long time ago because Brian Deegan is a, you know, is a star and he's been in the spotlight for a very long time. So I don't think it's anything they can shy away from. You pr- you, you're better off just leaning into it. And I, for myself too, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not going to run from it. Um, if you want to make fun of me, whatever, so be it. I don't, I don't really care. Um, I know what I'm trying to do and who I'm trying to be. And if you like that, great. Like I, you know, I want to be a nice person and do the best job that I possibly can. And I think that's the same for Hayden Deegan. I think he's working his ASS off. You can see that in his racing. There is no quit in him. He doesn't get tired. And that's not by accident. Like that takes incredible effort. There is no way to fake that. So for those haters out there, you can hate him. I get it. That's a part of it. People, that's what makes racing. And and it's like what they would say in finance. That's what makes a market. You know, if everybody was on the same side, there would be no market because nobody would ever be selling. Well, it's the same thing with racing. There are fans and there's the villain and people like other people for certain reasons and they hate other people for different reasons. Like that's what it's all about. So you just have to embrace it. I think they do. And I'm a fan. I, I am like, I don't really care about the drama and I don't care about the YouTube and none of that really matters to me. What matters to me is that when I see him racing, I can see the hard work behind it. And I can, when things go sideways, when he faces adversity, he just puts his head down and goes for it. I mean, absolutely goes for it. And yes, are there things that I don't like? There are the stuff he was doing with Hunter at Thunder Valley was way out of bounds. I hated it. Like that's so stupid to be racing like that. And maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's not the right phrase. Stupid is probably poor choice of words by me, but it's, it's beneath him. He doesn't need to go that route. He's far too good of a racer. His career is and his future is far too bright to lower himself to that type of racing. That's all I really have to say about it. Outside of that, I'm a big fan of everything else they have going on. The commitment level that his parents have put into his racing and really his entire family and the commitment level that Hayden has made to his craft is very evident in his racing. So congratulations to him. Uh, Hymas, great job. Fastest lap of the race, led laps, uh, finished in the top five, second moto. Like he, he did a lot of great things in the second moto. Con- congratulations to him. Uh, I really think he is taking steps in the right direction. And, uh, you know, he's been, a, he's been a part of fly racing for pretty much his whole life. His dad is a, a great WPS dealer, a Honda dealer in Pocatello, uh, Idaho. And he's a great, has a great family. And uh, I, I was always kind of like skeptical of how this was going to go because I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't know him that well, right? But there are a lot of people at our company that do and did. And they're all like so supportive of him that I was always like, yeah, okay, I'm on board, but let's let it play out, right? Like let him show us that that's what he's going to be. And I think he's doing that. He's doing all the things that everybody said, like he's going to, he's going to make it. He's going to be this guy, that guy. He's proving he can be that guy. So congratulations to him. Uh, You can see the hard work that was paying off this summer. And uh, yeah, I have nothing but kudos to give him and his family. Okay, let's move into the 450 class because after I do these power rankings, I want to talk silly season a little bit, and uh, I don't want this to be a two-hour podcast. So power rankings are my list of the top 10 guys in the 450 class, and it's a, you know, it's a fluid uh, top 10, 
It can be based on, you know, it does certainly have last week's results. It has some super cross results in it. It has trends if they're, if you're getting better or getting worse. Uh, but it's kind of just how I see it. And there's no, it's not perfect. It's just my opinion. Um, if you don't like it or disagree, that's okay. I'm good. I'm good with that. No problem. Um, this is not the end all be all list of who's better or worse than each other. And what's true this week could change after Redbud. That's, that's just how racing goes. And if you can't, well, I'd say this, when the facts change, your opinion needs to change with them, right? And that's how this works, just like anything else. And if you are too stubborn to change your opinion, when the evidence is screaming at you that it should, then that's on you. And that's really dumb. Like, I don't know how else to say it. You're, you're going to make big mistakes in your life if you can't be flexible and pivot as things around you change as well. Okay, enough of that. Number 10, Grant Harlan. And I think he went 11-9 on the day. I'm going off memory, but I'm pretty sure. And that's a, that's a really strong result in a sea of really strong results for Grant Harlan. And I cannot express to you enough how impressed I am with this kid because he kind of came out of nowhere. I remember like at Anaheim, one of the Anaheims, I think he got like 15th. Maybe it was the opener. Maybe it was a two. I don't know. No, it was the opener. He gets like 15th and I'm like, what? You know, but like he was solid, like he did everything right. And I should have known then, like that was the cue that he was, he's better than he's ever been. And he was going to be good all year. And I thought it was a fluke. It was not a fluke. He's still that good. And you can say whatever the field is weak, what I, right. You're not wrong, but I don't care. He is riding incredibly well and he's doing everything he can be asked to do. He's battling with Cincerello at Thunder Valley. He's giving his best career performances. So you can stand on the shoulders of the weak field argument. And I would agree with you. It is a very weak field. You are not wrong, but these guys don't have any control over that. And Harwin's doing a fantastic job of putting his name out there and bettering his career. If even if this is the best year of his career of his whole life, that's okay. Guess what? I don't care. Like, congratulations, man. You're killing it. Another guy I would say in that same boat, but it's a little bit more of Johnny come lately is Garrett Marchbanks. And you look at Marchbanks Thunder Valley ride, his results were not indicative of how fast he was going because he started like last every time I watched him pass Plessinger at Thunder Valley straight up and pull away. And then AP kind of got it together and caught him, caught him and passed him back. But I watched that and I was like, this kid's for real. Like he has real speed in this 450 class. Like you don't just do that to Plessinger as Plessinger is moving through the pack. Like it wasn't like AP was having a horrible moto and sucked and Marchbanks just went by him. Like AP was moving forward too and got all the way back to fourth. But Marchbanks was faster than him at a certain point in the moto and actually gapped him. So that was my tip off. And then that second place, when, you know, after Roxon crashed in the first moto, that was just a whole different level of awesome. I mean, he was legitimately the third best guy in that moto straight up. And he is now showing us why he was a prodigy team green, you know, sent him straight to pro circuit. Like he was meant to be a, a winning 250 guy. And he did win Daytona, right? We have to remember that too. He won Daytona right after, or right in, right before COVID hit. That was the last race before COVID hit. He just killed it at Daytona. And then the world went all cattywampus on us. But um, this, this kid is capable, you know, it's been hell, you know, hell since then, like he has gone through all sorts of troubles and crashes and poor performances and sickness and everything you could throw at him. But I'll be damned if High Point wasn't 
you know, one of the best rides of his life. So congratulations to Garrett Marchbanks. Number eight, Ty Masterpool. Obviously, he was the storyline leaving Thunder Valley, and he is just doing more of the same at High Point. You know, he didn't get all the camera time because we had this Roxon battle going on that soaked up a lot of our attention and a lot of the, the bandwidth. But he still rode great. He was in the fight with Webb and Plessinger all day, passing those guys. Um, just a really strong performance that shouldn't be overlooked. I feel like it was overlooked a little bit because, again, the Roxon thing and Jets come from behind ride and all those things. That's what got the attention. But Masterpool was still great. Um, had had Roxon not been there and had Jet hole shot it and, and walked away, I think we would have been focused much more on Masterpool than we were at High Point. Adam Cinturillo, great job. I have him at seven. Probably feels unfair, but again, I would ask you, where am I supposed to put him in this lineup if you look at all the races outside of High Point? I have him at seven, but he has an opportunity to move forward. He gets on the podium. It was You could just see the joy on his face. I was so happy for him. And, you know, every time he does really well like this, it's I can see it's more of relief than it is, like, excitement, you know? And that was very, very evident in Supercross when he got on the podium. Where was that? Denver? Uh, and we got one before that, too. But that was like, oh, my God, I finally did it again, right? And th- that transition is going now to where he's getting happy about it, which is cool to see because I don't think he's been very happy for a while. I think he's had many dark days in his life in the last few years. And for a kid that is a millionaire, insanely talented, has a life that I'm going to say 99% of people on earth would would trade for to be down and dark and battling. I would say he probably was battling borderline depression. You know, maybe I'm overstepping saying that, but that's what I believe. I think he had some really hard times and dark days and to see joy back in his face and genuine happiness that makes me feel good for him, right? It brings me joy to see the joy in him. Uh, So congratulations to Adam. Um, Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He is truly one of the nicer guys in the pits, genuine. Um, And when he tells you things, he looks you in the eye and you can tell he means it and he has time for everyone. Um, yeah, he's just a great dude. So congrats, Adam. Number six, Dylan Ferrandis is, I mean, it's been underwhelming. You know, he's been good. Don't get me wrong. He's got podium finishes, all that. But I think everybody was wondering if he could come in and get back to championship form again. We all got, well, say we all, I definitely got put into like a little bit of a reality check going into the opener by his team manager saying like, dude, he's nowhere near that. Like he is not 2021 Dylan Ferrandis right now. So that was foolish to think that he was ready for that, but we didn't know any better, but he's been pretty good. Like you look at his results, they're pretty solid. You know, obviously Thunder Valley was hindered by that crash in the first moto. He didn't look that great in the second moto either. Uh, And this weekend he was way back on the start of one of them. And it just, there wasn't a lot of flash in his riding. Um, I think that's probably what he's looking for during this off week is find some speed, find some intensity, and kind of try to get back to what his best level can be. So I think better days are to come for Ferrandis. Number five, I have AP. And I went back and forth on AP and Webb here. But if you look at Supercross, Webb's Supercross season was so much better than AP. If they're going to be equal, you have to put Webb ahead of them. That's the way I look at it. So I have, a, I have um, AP at five. Did I say you have to put Webb ahead of AP based off Supercross? So I have AP at five. 
And I have to, I have to say that high point was a disappointment. You know, you look at the track, super ruddy, should be good for AP. Look at his past performances there. It's a homish race, right? He's from Ohio. All those things tell me, like the rain on Friday, all those things tell me that he should have been good. I expected him to be on the podium or fighting for it, and he really wasn't. He wasn't close. I didn't think he had a good day at all, and I don't know what to point to for it. I didn't talk to him, but I, I think it's fair to say he was disappointed leaving there, and I bet he would really like a redo, right? And I'm sure he'll come into Redbud fired up to kind of right that wrong. So we'll see. It just wasn't his best day by any stretch of the imagination. Number four is Cooper Webb. And he was frustrated after the race. Uh, you know, I even mentioned to him that silver lining is he has the super motocross championship lead now, like the total points, which is why he's here. I think that's a big reason why he's out there. He's obviously making a lot of money also. There's that. But he wants to be the leader going into those three playoff rounds because I mean, there's a million dollars up for grabs in the course of three races, plus a huge purse at each race. And if you have the points lead going in like that matters, I, I know that it's double points in the second round and triple points in the third round. I understand that, but simple math will tell you if you go into the, the series with the lead, you have the best chance of winning it. Right. And Tomac's not coming back for it. So Sexton, I, I would assume will, and I would assume Jed will be in there too. But yeah, Webb has as good a chance as anybody. He's gonna and he's gonna probably have the points lead unless Sexton comes back at Redbud, which he might. Uh, so I have Webb at four, and I don't think that was a good track for him. He didn't look comfortable. I don't think he enjoyed it, but he got through it. He fought through it, and he's gonna keep fighting because that's what Cooper Webb does. Number three, I have Ken Roxon, and Roxon makes a return to the list after his Mount Morris performance. Great job from him. Perfect track to display his skill set. Obviously, the uh, first moto should have been better, but he still gets on the podium. And I think he impressed everybody. He reminded us what he is capable of with his performance. He was so fast in qualifying. He leads laps. He keeps Jed honest. Like, there was a lot to like about Ken Roxon's day at High Point. He should be smiling. He gets to go now to World Supercross and go chase that, make a ton of money. At those races, good for him. I have no problem with anybody making a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, I, there was just so much good to be taken from that high point race. You know, it's good for the series. It was good for him. It was good for Suzuki. Uh, yeah, everybody wins in that uh, Ken Roxon performance at high point. Number two, Chase Sexton. I have Sexton in here because I believe he's coming back soon. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that doesn't come to fruition. But I, I think he does come back. Uh, maybe at Redbud, right? Home race for him at Redbud. And he's had time to kind of heal, get his mind right. Um, I don't know if he's been riding or not, but you did see, I don't know, maybe you didn't see it, but he did tweet that he said coming soon uh, when somebody, you know, I think Lewis Phillips mentioned like, hey, we miss you out here. And he gave us a little bit of, uh, a little bit of hope, right? And rebellions are built on hope if you have ever watched Star Wars. So, Let's hope Chase Sexton, because he can bring so much to the series. Uh, he can challenge Jet. And super motocross-wise, you know, there's that fight going on there too. But I just want him back to add more more uh, parity at the top of the, the list, right? He, he, I think, is the only guy that on any track can give Jet all he wants. And there's something to be said for that. We need that right now. We need more depth in the 450 class, period. Number one. 
as if there was any question, is Jet Lawrence. And Jet is a tremendous talent. I don't know what other adjectives I can really put on him. Awesome, amazing, impressive, just wonderkind. I don't know, future of the sport, like all of them, all of them are true. And, you know, there are people out there that say we talk about Jet too much. They say that he's, they put him on, they cover him too much. They put him on TV. We talk about him. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Get used to it. That, that would be my advice, right? Just like there are things that I don't like and people tell me to get used to it because it's not going to change. That's what this is. If you don't like Jet Lawrence and you think that there's too much coverage of him, you might want to have a talk with yourself because things are going to get harder, not easier. The powers that be, NBC, Feld, uh, MX Sports, Peacock executives, whoever, are going to lean into Jet with all they have because why would they not? He is so charismatic. He is so talented. He's a good-looking kid. He's young. He's Australian. He has worldwide appeal. He has it all, man. He has it all. And it's there's just going to be more of it, not less. So I have friends of mine that complain about it. I get it. I understand. I'm not mad at you for complaining. I'm just telling you it's not going to change. So if it really upsets you, then you probably need to, I don't know, talk yourself off a ledge because it's going it's to get more. There's going to be more of that. Just wait till Supercross next year. Wait till all the lead into Supercross if he's doing well and, and is healthy. You don't think it's going to be all about Jet Lawrence? I can promise you that it's going to be all about Jet Lawrence. And I'm okay with it. I, I'm 100% okay. Uh, the honorable mentions, uh, Kyle Chisholm, he has said a great year. He's going to go race World Supercross now, but he's, I, I just think his year has been phenomenal for at his age, which he's not 75 years old. I understand. But he is old to be racing, and he's doing really well. Derek Drake continues to impress me. He looks really good. Um, obviously, the 450 suits him. Freddie Norn. Uh, Supercross wasn't great, but outdoors, he has, he has been really strong and he deserves credit. Uh, he's been faster and better than I think most people would expect. Uh, and he is a legit top 10, 450 guy, in my opinion, in this field right now. And then the last one is Roman Pep. And I don't know how to say his name. Uh, some people say it's Pope. I don't think that makes any sense. His name is spelled P-A-P-E. You tell me how to get Pope out of that and you're my hero. Like there, there is no way you should be saying Pope out of P-A-P-E. So uh, it is what it is, but he is doing phenomenally well. He does wear fly racing. That's really cool. But from people I talk to, this this level of performance has kind of come out of nowhere. Like they did not expect this. He doesn't have incredibly strong results anywhere in France, in America. You know, he just broke out here in America. So good job to him. Congratulations, man. You're making a name for yourself when I don't think anybody really expected it. So it's a, it's a really cool story. Okay. Thank the sponsors again. Pirelli tires. You can get that rebate. It's available in Canada as well. $30 off an, on an off-road set of tires, $60 off of a set of street tires. All you have to do is go into your dealer, buy the tires, fill in the rebate form and mail it in and they will send you money back. It's really cool. Guts racing, seat covers for power sports, uh, e-bikes that Saran that everybody's so uh, keen on. Uh, complete seats for Kawasaki's. They have custom graphics. They have they sponsor Rockstar Husky. Uh, great, great company, Guts Racing. Really, really proud to be affiliated with them. Plum Creek funding, mortgage rates are high. Uh, that is a fact. Refis are a little tough, but a lot of people are buying houses. Mortgage uh, applications are up. People are coming to grips with you know the mortgage rates, and there's 
a very low supply of houses out there and demand is still high. So that means people are going to still keep buying houses because anytime something com- becomes available, they have to buy it. They need houses. We don't have enough available, uh, available inventory. So if you find yourself in that spot, reach out to Plum Creek Funding. His name is Zach Morse at Plum Creek Funding. You can call him at 720-212-4685. And he's licensed in a ton of states and he has friends that are licensed in a bunch more and they can get you dialed in. Works Connection has Yamaha foot peg mounts for the, the 2023 YZ450. They also have a brand new chain gauge. It's a, it's a basically like a glass. It looks like glass. I don't think it's glass. Probably like uh, some sort of plastic composite. I don't know what it is. But instead of like using your fingers to measure whether your chain is tight enough or not, like we all have done it, right? Anybody that rides, you put like three fingers in between your swing arm and the chain, and that's how you measure if your chain is tight enough. Well, that's dinosaur age, right? This is a specific tool that slides in there and tells you the specific measurement that you need tightness. And you can go off of like your OEM manual and they probably all have recommendations for how many millimeters. Well, this tool does exactly that. So check out worksconnection.com. Brand new piece. It was really cool. I actually emailed them back when I got the information. I'm like, this is cool. I wish I had this when I was racing because my method was so rudimentary, right? It's just like, what if your fingers are a lot bigger than someone else's fingers. Like all that factors in it's, it was so uh, just basic and there's no way to be precise with it. And this takes all the guessing game out of it. So check out works connection for that Proglo wash. Uh, it is a power sports formulated wash. The team at pro action fluids built this specifically for dirt bikes, street bikes, side-by-sides, quads, anything that has hard to get dirt off hard. To, what is how, what's the right way to say that dirt. That's hard to get off. Uh, stuff that has chain lube, anything that's, you know, stuff that we deal with in power sports that creates hard to remove dirt, grime. That's what you want pro glow wash for. So check them out. You can get it on Amazon. Now. I think maybe it's in Walmart now, but ever expanding product line from pro glow. Thank you to the team for being a part of the podcast. Fast foundry, Robert Caraco and the crew, uh, they can help you get, uh, basically startups to fortune 500 companies. They've worked with them all. Uh, If you have an idea that you don't necessarily know how to execute and turn it into a business, reach out to Fast Foundry. You have, you work at a big company that they're looking to consolidate. Maybe they're trying to get their QuickBooks dialed in. Like there's a lot of things where businesses are trying to be more efficient. Interest rates are brutal on business right now. So you need to be as efficient as possible if you're in business. There is no other way to say it than that because margins are getting squeezed. Uh, I deal with that every day cost of borrow is higher than it's been in years. So what does that mean? You need to have your business and your affairs in order. Fast Foundry can help you with that. So reach out, ask for Robert and see what they can do for you. International Vet MX Series, their website is oldtimersmx.com and they have a double header event coming up. They're both in July. The first one is July 8th and 9th at Washougal. So if you're gonna race the national, like amateur day at Washougal and you wanna get some track time in before, go to the International Event MX Series event there, July 8th and 9th. You get tons of track time. They have live music on Saturday night. They usually have three moto format. It's really low key. People there aren't gonna be trying to kill you over a fifth place trophy, right? It's not that type of event. It's more laid back. It is a good time, feel good event. The second event of the double header is on July 15th and 16th. And it's at Albany Motorsports Park in Albany, Oregon. And both of these are obviously operated by the Oregon chapter of IVMX. 
And I yeah, can't speak highly enough about this crew and this group. Really great events. Go check them out if you're in the Oregon area. TL Speed Shop. These guys are doing, they have a great, great system going over there. You can fly into Phoenix, go up to Wickenburg, Arizona, and they have it all. They have trophy trucks. They have side-by-sides. You can go on custom tours. You can do ones they already have mapped out. You can go to Sedona. You can go wine tasting. You can go to Baja. They would, they will be racing the Baja 1000 in November later this year. Uh, they, they do all these great things and you can do a corporate event. You can go on vacation, but the biggest thing is it is a turnkey operation where you don't have to have all these things. You don't have to put 50 grand into a side-by-side and then have a way to haul it. You need another $75,000 truck and then another $30,000 trailer. You don't need any of that crap. All you need is an airline ticket to get to Phoenix and hook up with TL Speed Shop and off you go. It is a really, really great opportunity. Uh, I check out their website and talk to, to Jason Cobb and the crew down there all the time about things they have going on. And it just looks like so much fun to do this. So check out tlspeedshop.com and book your trip today. Grantstone boots. I wore my Grantstones last night. I wore sneakers uh, because it's hot and Boise is like 85 or something right now. Uh, but they have that great new sneaker line. I think there's four different colors that you can choose from. So if you're going to wear shorts out or you get to wear shorts to work, that sneaker collection from Grant Stone is the perfect choice. And it's really opened my opportunities there. And if you can't, if you have to wear pants, great. They have all sorts of different boots, low tops, uh, dress shoes, high top boots. They have, a, they have it all. Their collection is so broad now. They truly have something for every, every, every one. They've been pushing loafers a lot lately. Not necessarily my look, uh, but I see them out all the time. I know it is a very popular style, and uh, they've really been expanding into the loafer side of things too. Last but not least, Fire Racing, brand new website. And go check it out. It's fireracing.com. Our social media is at USA, And our 2024 line drops here in a little less than a month. So that's super exciting. Uh, we've been working on it for a very long time getting ready to, uh, to release it to the public and you will be able to go get some yourself. Okay, let's jump into some silly season stuff before we sign off here. First up, um, and, and some of this is done, some of it's not done. I have questions on some of these things too. So the things that I, some of these I know have happened and some of them I'm not really sure. And I'll try to present both of them the way that I, the way that I know how. Let's start with Honda HRC. It's going to be Jet and Hunter on 450s, and Hunter will make the move up, and then it'll be, yeah, two brothers in the 450 class indoors and out. And then the 250s will be Chance Hymas and Joe Shimoda. Shimoda will make the move over from Pro Circuit Kawasaki. I don't know if that's public or not, um, but that's what's going to happen. And just go ahead and expect, expect to see that here that probably October 1st, uh, Joe Shimoda will be on Honda HRC. That team will be all Lucas Myrtle. All four riders on Honda HRC will be under Lucas Myrtle's management uh, and direction. Monster Kawasaki, 450 team will be Anderson and AC, just like it was this year. I think both of them will stay. The pro circuit side of Kawasaki will be uh, McAdoo will stay. I think rider D stays. I don't know that for sure, but I'm pretty sure he does. I don't know what Forkner does. I don't know if they keep him. I would say they probably do. Kitchen makes the move over from Star Yamaha to Pro Circuit. So that'll be a new addition. I think they keep Hamaker as well. And to be honest, they need more riders than less, right? They've had so many people get hurt. They just need to sign as many guys as they can and hope they can field a full team. You know, I don't know what they do with Mumphy. 
I think he has to be on the short list of fill-ins. Um, I don't think they give him a full contract. That's just my guess. But I hope so. I like I like Mumford. Um, I've got to talk to him more than I ever have in my life this season. And, uh, yeah, so I hope that he finds a way onto this roster. Moving on to Suzuki. Really, the only factory Suzuki team is Twisted T, Progressive Suzuki. Okay? So that team, I think Roxon stays. I think Chiz, I think Chiz has another year or two. And then who do they add? I know there has been talk about Dylan Ferrandis, about him going there. So maybe that happens. Uh, does Hart Raff come back to race? I don't know. I don't know what Hart Raff's situation is. Do they keep Norin? I would say probably not. Um, but I would think maybe he's like on the fill-in list for them. But I, I think it looks something like Rocks and Chiz and then maybe Ferrandis. That's, that's my guess sitting here in July. The 250 side of it, you know, I don't know what they'll do with Barrex or any of these other teams, um, but time will tell, right? I don't know. I, I don't think Welton stays on Twisted T. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Or maybe he's in the 250 class again next year, right? There's, there's a lot of moving parts. I don't think that's their big focus right now is locking that stuff down. There's plenty of time for that side. Uh, getting guys like Roxon and Ferrandis would be the priority for them. If, if Roxon's, I think Roxon only had a one-year deal, though, so that's probably being discussed. Uh, as we speak, I can't imagine they're not going to keep him. Though seems like everybody's pretty happy with how that's going. KTM is going to be Plessinger again. He resigned. Sexton signed. Uh, shoot, I, I think he signed a letter of intent over a year ago, year and a half ago. So he'll make the move over to KTM, Red Bull KTM. Uh, Tom Vial will stay, and then I think they bring up Julian Vomer. Uh He, you will remember him from his futures performances, and I think. I think KTM, the powers that be, really like him. He has so much potential in Supercross. Technique-wise, he looks like he's ready to make the jump. And I would expect him to be on Red Bull KTM full-time in 2024. Gas Gas will be Barsha. Pierce Brown stays. He re-signed. And then I don't know what they do with Michael Mosman. I could see him retiring. I really could. I, have, I don't have any intel to share with you. Uh, other than I think he's been battling head injury and the long-term ramifications of that, and I just think this might be it. I hope he can get healthy and come back. He's extremely talented. He's still really young, uh, but I don't know. Uh, he's, he's got some, some heavy decisions to make, and head injuries are no joke, and they get more and more difficult to recover from over time. So that one's, uh, that's a big question mark for me. Rockstar Husqvarna, 450 class will be Christian Craig and Malcolm Stewart again. So look for that to, to remain the same. And then the 250 class will be RJ Hampshire. He re-signed for two more years. And then they need to add one more guy. So I know Hawkins is under consideration. Jaleek Swole's under consideration. And they wanted Daxton Bennett. That, that was going to be their pick was Bennett. And he, re he signed with Monster Star Yamaha. So now they have an empty spot and everybody's kind of vying for it. So there's nothing done there. I don't really know how that goes. So that's, that's a spot to watch, see who gets the, gets the nod there. Uh, Monster Star Yamaha, as I mentioned, will be Cooper Webb making the move over from Red Bull KTM. So he will be oh, he would be back and alongside Eli Tomac for Supercross because I do think Tomac comes back in January. It's going to be tight, though. Everyone that was like, oh, man, he'll be back in a few months. No, no. He's going to probably start riding in, like, November and then try to make it for Anaheim. That's, that's my guess. That's the intel I'm getting. I don't know what they do with Ferrandis. I think he's trying to stay there. I think he wants to stay. 
I just don't know if they have room for him or if, you know, the money side or how that all plays out. But I think Ferrandis would like to stay on that team. And Tomac probably weighs heavy on that, right? What does Tomac do is probably a big factor there as well. The 250 side of that, holy hell. You know, Star, Monster Star Yamaha 250 side, they, they seem like they have the entire field. Because Deegan stays, we know. Do they keep Jordan Smith? Dennett, uh, Daxton Bennett signed. Do they keep Styles Robertson? Do they keep Romano? Do they keep Guillaume Ferris? What do they do with Justin Cooper? I mean, there's endless questions about that 250 side, but we know Deegan's there, Bennett's there, and I don't know if anybody else has a contract. So you tell me, right? We'll, we'll see. But the good side for Monster Star Yamaha is they have – the, the leverage because everybody wants to be on their team. So they don't really have to act quickly. They can sit back, assess the situation and take their pick of guys because everybody in their right mind wants to be on that motorcycle. You know, Levi kitchen is leaving, which opens a spot, but ask around in the pits and everybody wants that bike. You know, it's not, that's not rocket science or that's not really uh, any side of inside information, any kind of inside information. That's just, pretty obvious everybody wants to be on because it's a rocket ship look at that thing why would you not want to ride that bike uh moving on to pro circuit kawasaki uh i mentioned them already um mcadoo rider d kitchen goes there as i mentioned uh muck off yamaha was one of the smaller teams i wanted to mention lopes resigned supercross only i think they have to keep march banks you look at what he's doing now like why would they not want to keep that especially if they can find a way to get him on a 450 full-time that seems like the right move and i don't know what they do with j mark um he's kind of in the same spot as mosman for me where i could see him calling it a career i don't want to see that i like j mark he's a really nice guy but i think both of them from what i hear both of them are contemplating yeah retiring packing it in right and you look at j mark he's been doing this a long time Two-time national champion. He's been, in, he's been doing this for 10 years now. Uh, I think this was his 11th season or something like that. So I'm, I could understand it, right? He's made a lot of money. I think he's pretty financially secure. And, you know, if, whether he wants to go into training or he wants to go into the family business of operating uh, Spring Creek, you know, he has, he has a lot of opportunity and he's done really well for himself. So... He's not in a position, in my opinion, where he has to force a decision. He can do what he truly wants to do. And if he wants to race, great. If he doesn't want to race, he doesn't. I don't think he has to. I think he could figure something else out and use the financial security he's earned for himself, you know, to, to take time and sort things out. Now, a couple of questions. This, this isn't all the teams, right? And I'll circle back as more things come to light. But I have a few questions on guys, right? What does Justin Cooper do? You know, this was such a weird season he rode a few 450 races and then it seemed like all of his effort was into this 250 championship and we don't know what's going to happen with that now so who hires him where does he end up does he do the same type plan that he did in 2023 like does this yamaha go for that like the same program a few 450 races and then chase the 250 championship again it's not impossible like it, it wouldn't be completely uh you know, insane to think that happens again. I, I don't know, though. I don't know that anybody knows yet. What does Max Bowen do? I, I haven't heard anybody really have any definitive answers on Mac, Maximus Bowen. And I don't think KTM's keeping him. I feel pretty confident in that because I think Bomer takes his spot. But KTM has a long investment in Boland. 
And I don't think they just want to eat that. You know, he's not doing terribly, but he's also not winning races. And I think there's disappointment a little bit from whether it's DeCoster or uh, Pitt Buyer or whoever. I think they're all a little bit disappointed that he hasn't progressed more. And his Supercross has Supercross experience has been awful. Like there's just no other way to put it. It's just it's been awful for him. It's like been a really really tough go in Supercross for Volland. And so I don't I don't have any answers. I'm more just posing the question: Where does he end up in 2024? Now the one thing I was thinking is if you go back to my Rockstar Husky comments, they need a guy. And if they if there's nobody that really makes a lot of sense and you're like not super excited to hire any of the, your prospects, maybe you just push Voland over there. And the Austria group continues their investment. They don't have to just send Voland on his way. And he gets a change of scenery, changes technicians and engineers, and maybe it does him some good to be around different people, you know, but still the same people writing the check in the end, right? So that was just one scenario that I saw maybe playing out, but maybe not. Maybe they just... You know, I've had enough. I, I don't know. Time will tell. The other two guys I have questions on are in that same conversation. That's Jalik, Swole, and uh, Talon Hawkins. I don't know what they do. Swole has been looking better as of late, so maybe he gets to stay. But Husky has invested a lot of money in that kid over the years. And in Supercross, there's no way you can say it's really come to fruition. Like, it's impossible to say that. And he's going to, I think he just needs to continue to be on the podium outdoors to make his case. That's, that's what he has to do here. Uh, if he wants that spot, podiums are what it's going to take, in my opinion. Town Hawkins, I don't know. Uh, he got forced up early. But if you look at his results, it's not factory level results either, right? Like it's, it's really hard if you're a Husky, if you're Nathan Ramsey or whoever is making that decision to look at Hawkins and go, yeah. He's a factory guy like that. Those are factory results. If they're not, you know, he's not battling for top fives. He was nowhere near that in Supercross as far as like being a podium level guy. And you could say he needs more time to develop. And I would probably agree with you. But when a lot of people are vying for that one spot, it's hard to think he is the best prospect for it. And I don't take any joy in saying that. Like He's a really nice kid. I like him. I like his dad. Um, but I'm just trying to be realistic about it and look at it from Husky's perspective. What do they do now? They could probably get him for nothing. Like they wouldn't have to pay him hardly anything. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a something they take into consideration is like, well, we don't really love anything and he'll, he'll ride for virtually free. That's my assessment. I don't know that I'm guessing, but does that play a role? It's like, well, we can get him for free and let him continue to develop. And maybe this turns into something. Maybe, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's how it plays out. But anyway, that's it for my little uh, silly season update. If you have questions on specific guys or, or riders, I'm happy to answer them. Maybe I don't have the answer, but I'll give you my opinion. And that's it for this week. That's the longest podcast I've done in a while. And we will talk to you after Redbud. See you.